This is a Hot Pie Original. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the DMP CD Sports Podcast presented by Odd Shark. I am Chad Fisher alongside my co-host, Tony Farmer. Tony, how you doing today, brother? I'm doing awesome today, Chad, because we have an awesome guest yeah, we do, lined man. up. I'm super excited about this. Uh, if if uh, you you know are a fan of the 49er teams, you know who this guy is. And if you're not, and you're, you're in our generation, you've been watching uh, uh, college and professional football, you hear this guy call games all the time as well. Yeah, it's going to be a great show, man. It's going to be a great, great show. Can't wait. to. we got so many interesting questions we want to ask this guy. For sure. Uh, but before we get into that, we want to tell you a little bit about Odd Shark. Absolutely. Odd Shark is your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, the latest sports news and detailed matchup picks. Looking for statistics and trends for an upcoming game? Odd Shark has that too. And the best part of all, folks, it's absolutely free. In-depth expert analysis, odds and trends to make the sharp game day picks. They've got decades of stats in their databases and their insiders give you takes so hot they sizzle. Mm. They're your one-stop shop for all your odds, info on sports and pop culture events. Yeah, so if you want to get a better understanding of the odds and the math behind the numbers, how the line is set, why the lines move during the week on the NFL odds list, OddShark will give you all the tools you need. They're a proven industry powerhouse. OddShark has info from around the globe, giving you the chance to access the best sports odds on the planet. Whether you want to check out tonight's football odds, this week's hockey or basketball trends, or anything in between, head on over to Odd Shark and start thinking like a shark today. And speaking of Odd Shark, uh, our next betting segment brought to you by Odd Shark for a few minutes before we uh, introduce Randy Cross. Let's jump into it. What's going on in the the sports betting world today, you've Chad? Been, you've been hitting uh, some. You've been hot on the on the bets, man, lately, right? It's exciting. It always feels <laughs> good when you can put a betting recommendation out on Twitter yeah. on the DNPCD uh, Twitter page. And it hits. It's always fun to do that. We're 2-0 and now, by the way, right? Because we Not hit bragging. Trey Lance at plus mm. money. Mm. Um, and then our second foray into it. So I just want to explain the genesis of how this all happened. So um, I'm on the Odd Shark page. And I'm looking at the odds. And in the left-hand column, they have what the game's open at. And I see the Boston Bruins and Washington is at negative, 15, negative 115 opening. And now it's at negative 180. And I'm like, whoa, what happened? You yeah. know, there's only one reason that lines move like that. And yeah. it's because of liability and the books are going to be protecting themselves. So I said either some news dropped or for some reason, everybody has been stacking up on Washington or both. So I dug into the news a little bit, see what's going on. And I see that the Bruins have announced there's like four, literally 14 players, <laughs> including starters, are not yeah. playing for the Bruins. And so I said... 180 is a big change from 115, mm-hmm. but it's not enough. And so I said, let's go ahead and, and, and put a wager down on that. I recommended it on the DNPCD uh, channel. And then after I did, I saw the line move to like negative 190. I saw an odd shark move to negative 195. So I knew that we were getting closing line value going into that. We got a good price. Not as good as the original. Yeah, yeah. I wish I saw it sooner. Not I wish shit. I was on odd shark sooner. Yeah. Uh, but I knew that we were getting good closing line value. And uh, yeah, two to one. I meant to talk about this last week on the show with uh, Grant Cohn because uh, it was more recent. But just a great example of how that website can be a useful tool for you. And a great example of how uh, we've got it all, man. We got <laughs> we got awesome interviews and everything like that. And we've also got some uh, 
some nice little betting tips and shit. You can make Absolutely. some money following at DMP CD Sports on Twitter. 2-0, baby. 2-0, baby. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's see if we can get to 3-0 or 4-0. You don't want to be putting any of my predictions on there because that, that average is going to come down real damn quick, man. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, one thing I noticed on Odd Shark is that they, you know, they just recently announced the uh, the Tyson Fury Anthony Joshua fight that's going to take place August fifteenth in Saudi Arabia. I'm a huge uh, boxing fan, and uh, I'm a huge Tyson Fury fan as well. And so that's really intriguing to me right now. I went to Odd Shark last night. Uh, I encourage you to do the same thing. Go to oddshark.com/backslash/boxing. They've got a great little write up on the on the uh, fight and everything like that, and how these two perform against um, being underdogs and everything like that. And so. Uh, right now, opening lines they got Fury at uh, minus one seventy five, Joshua at one uh, plus one forty five. I think that's like an interesting thing to get on to. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be a big, big fight. I was talking to a friend of mine last night, and we're saying like, dude, this might be the biggest heavyweight fight in you know twenty some years. Mm. You know, since Tyson was Tyson Holyfield. You wow. know, so it's gonna be a massive, massive fight. Everyone's yeah. gonna be watching this thing. Well, I'm gonna have like a little little party at the crib. Nice. Um, you're welcome to come on over, man. <laughs> and, uh, I like it. I like it. Pound some beers and uh, and be watch there. a great fight, man. But I, I'm gonna I would I'm gonna throw some money down on Fury. Nice. Okay. It, yeah. It's gonna be interesting to see how that line moves because, like you said, the fight is until August. Yeah. And so it's there's going to be fluctuation, mm-hmm. and some people like to chase that line movement, and some yeah. people like to say, "Well, all the money is going toward this guy, so I'm gonna follow it." And are you just sort of chasing fool's gold at that point? Yeah. It's a mirage. Or, you know, do people have inside information or these uh, are these wise better? So I always like to try to differentiate when I see line movement like this. Is this public money um, or is this is it the big guys that, that know what they're doing yeah. and, and making these bets? So um, it's interesting to see for sure. Yeah, definitely. And then one little uh, tidbit I want to give is uh, I'm a, you know, I'm a big Cleveland sports fan and everything like that. Cleveland Indians have been uh, playing really well lately. Yeah. And so uh, I'm looking at uh, their odds to win the AL Central, and they opened at 55 to 1, and now it's come down a little bit. So now it's 42 and a half, 35 mm. on some different sites. I'm thinking about throwing a little bit of money down, uh, maybe uh, you know, 20 30 $40 on uh, the Indians to win the AL Central. They've been playing really well. Bats have woken up a little bit. Their pitching is good as always. It's always top-notch. Uh, Shane Bieber is having – He's had some great years, and this year already, I think he has. Uh, he's. Uh, I saw uh, watching the game yesterday. Uh, through his first uh, seven starts of the season, he had uh, more strikeouts than just about everybody. I think they're the only people that are ahead of him th- uh, through first sev- seven starts of the season in a season where more more strikeouts was like you know the the top pitchers in in, in the game like Roger yeah. Clemens and stuff like that. So uh, maybe it's wishful thinking, but I'm hoping that, I'm hoping like that the it. Indians. Uh, Come through and have have another good year. We'll see. I can't hate on. I mean, it's always tough when you're betting on your team, right? I mean, it's yeah. how, how much of this is my heart? How much of this is is my brain? Right? <laughs> Most of it. Um, so that that's fair. But you got Terry Francona too, as your yeah, manager, and, and that guy's got some experience in in pennant races, and so and he's um, solid every year. Yeah, yeah. We, we've always had a solid team since um since uh, uh, Tito came in. Yep. And uh, we we don't have a very high payroll. I mean, there's a couple guys in in major league that make more money than our entire team, you know? So, but, uh, that's, you got to do in your small market, man. You gotta, you gotta do what you can. We're not, you know, we're not the Yankees or anything like that or the Red Sox. So, uh, we got like a $45 million payroll, you know what I mean? But so far so good anyway. So this has been the betting segment, uh, presented to, uh, presented by odd shark on the DMP CD sports podcast. Tony, let's go ahead and bring our guests in right now. Yeah, let's do it.
Our guest today is a three-time Super Bowl champion. He was a second-round pick and a three-time All-Pro with the San Francisco 49ers. He played 13 years in the NFL and was on the field for the catch, one of the most iconic plays in NFL history. He was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 2011. He's a former All-American at UCLA, where he also played rugby. Uh, he's, he's been a broadcaster, sports bro- broadcaster, since 1989 and currently calls games for CBS. And he also holds the Crespi Carmelite High School shot put record of 67 and 6 one-half inches. Woo. Please welcome to the DMP CD Sports Podcast, Randy Cross. Randy, thanks for coming on the show, brother. We really appreciate it. Ah, no, no worries at all. That, that guy sounds really versatile. <laughs> <laughs> he is versatile, man. He's got a record that still stands in high school. That's got a, that's pretty impressive, man. Yeah, well, so considering when it was, and you were nice enough not to not to mention the year, <laughs> I will. Uh, that was uh, that was around May of April to May of nineteen seventy-two. Oh wow. It's got a good memory too. So getting getting ready to be fifty years. Yeah, so. wow, that's amazing. It still stands, brother. That's an awesome. Uh, that's an awesome accomplishment. I'd be telling everybody about that if I was you. <laughs> uh, well, fortunately, I did more than that after that. So yeah, yeah, just a little, just, just a, a little, little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Randy, most people from my generation know you as a sports broadcaster. Uh, I've always, you know, I, I uh, of course we see you on games every Sunday. And um, you've always been one of my favorite color analysts uh, and you've been doing games a long time. Can you talk about uh, what made you want to get into broadcasting after such a successful college and pro career? Um, yeah, it was really kind of happenstance the way I got involved with the media uh, in the off season of 82 after our first Super Bowl. Um, I had an off season accident and uh, my dad had always told me, you know, that the media was important to anybody's career because he says, no matter how good you are or how bad you are, um, they will paint your picture. Mm-hmm. And if you don't help them, it's your fault. So, you know, I kind of remembered that not only in high school, but in the UCLA. And I was always told by the reporters starting in college, you know, you talk pretty well, you might want to think about doing stuff like radio and TV and They'd always said that. And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when I had that accident, I had a friend that was running a radio station that was actually one of the first sports radio type stations in the country called KSFO. And it was a talk show, talk radio format. And he asked me if I wanted to do morning sports. I said, sure, what the hell? So he sent a limo and down to where I was because I was in, I had a cast on my left wrist and I had a cast on my left leg. And he sent me in there to do sports in the mornings. I did that for, you know, about a month. And then after that, I decided, hey, I'd like to do this. Maybe I'll do my own radio show. So I started doing a radio show or filling in there uh, briefly. And then KCBS gave me my own show following Monday Night Football on the West Coast. And yes, there's actually life after Monday Night Football on the West Coast because <laughs> um, you know back then nine nine thirty that game was over, and you had you had people that you could talk to, and it was really cool. I did that. I did t- uh, TV. I started TV my own TV show, um, and then I went into I did some Oakland Invaders games. If you guys remember the USFL, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. And so I got a chance to do that 
with a legendary play-by-play guy from the, the tennis world and the Olympic world and everything else, a guy named Barry Tompkins. Mm. Um, so I did that. And then I, my last three or four years, I kept sending the networks my tape. Uh, my agent would make a tape at the end of the year of all my interviews and stuff that I did, and he'd send it into the networks. So back then, that was kind of how you did it. Mm. You had to be proactive. And you still really do if you're a lineman. Because mm-hmm. if you're a quarterback, they'll come calling. Yeah. Your, your life is pretty much, yeah, your life is pretty much taken care of for you. And you're a golden child. And, you know, they're going to want to talk to you. And they're going to want you to work regardless whether or not you can talk. Uh, <laughs> if you can play quarterback in the NFL, you're going to get a shot. Mm-hmm. Mm. So as a lineman, I had to be a little bit more proactive. So I did that. I started with CBS. CBS um, stopped doing football after five years that I was there. And that's when Fox started doing the NFC and then NBC. So I worked there for four years. And then when CBS got back into it, I got back into it with them. And I've been with CBS ever since then. So I, I did 20 years of NFL. And then the last 12 I've done have been college football. Mm-hmm. Randy, do more people recognize you as Randy Cross, the football player, or do more people recognize you as Randy Cross, the broadcaster, when you're just out in public? Um, you know, probably, probably the latter, you know, and, and not by a lot. I'd say maybe 60, 70% go broadcaster and 30 or 40 uh, go football, unless I'm in the Bay area, yeah. then, it's, then it's usually football, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's that in that Miller light commercial I did yeah. in 89 <laughs> after I retired, um, that, that one thing that did do was that labeled me a center mm. forever more. I mean, I played two and a half, my first two and a half years, I was a center. My last year and a half, I was a center. So a total of four years and the other nine years and all my all pros and all my pro bowls and all my all NFCs and all that stuff. Um, that was all at guard, hmm. uh, mostly instead of center. I made a couple second team, all NFC and centers, but yeah. Speaking of you being a center, I reached out to Jesse Sapolo, who we had on a couple of weeks ago. He referred to you as his big brother. And I said, hey, Jesse, we're going to have Randy on the show. We, we like to, you know, do a little research and ask really intentional questions. So I said, you know, do you have any, any good questions that, that we could ask Randy? And he said, uh, yeah, ask him why he didn't tell me that he was retiring after Super Bowl 23 and I'd be moving to center. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't tell many people. Um, <laughs> Um, you know, my wife and very tight circle, uh, knew about it. Um, I just, yeah, I, I just, why well, it was time to go. You know, I, I'd always, I'd always been a big fan of sports growing up. And if you notice and you pay attention to sports, very few people go out on top. Mm. Very few people get a chance to go out on top. Um, I'd seen innumerable teammates and friends over my 13 year career, get cut, go to another team, last a couple of years and then retire. Um, I didn't want to do that. I mean, sure. The, the money was pretty good, but the guy that was playing on tape to me uh, wasn't playing quite as well as I thought he should. And, you know, it seemed like a good time to, to take a step away 
go into my, you know, keep my business going that I had off the field and then give, um, give the media side a shot. But yeah, I, I let, I let the, my teammates and my coach know right before the press conference mm. all week oh, wow. before I went there and announced it. Wow. We were, I was, le- I was leaving a meeting. I said, Oh, by the way, coach, I'm, I'm going to go here and I'm going to retire. He was like, what? He goes, you can play two or three more years. Mm. I said, yeah, I think you're right, but you aren't going to cut me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't want to go out like that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it was, uh, I, I, it worked out well. Yeah. In fact, they missed me so much, they won the Super Bowl again the next year. <laughs> Speaking of that, uh, just um, transitioning from, you know, you, you were able to go out on your own terms and everything. Uh, what, what was it like going from playing, you know, you played, you know, your whole life, uh, high school, college, pro, then 13 years in the NFL. What was it like going yeah. from that and then and then transitioning to, you know, no, no mini camps, no, uh, uh, you know, getting practices and everything like that, getting your brains beat in your body torn up and everything like that. But what was it like also missing the game? I'm sure you did transitioning from playing all the time to, to now you're not. Yeah. You, you mean, what was it like to have a real life? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I had also, I, I'd always been involved in the off season in various enterprises um, and worked and started companies and did things. So, um, it was something that I was kind of used to in the off season. I unplugged. I didn't, I didn't do stuff that was football related outside of, you know, lifting and training. Um, I love, I, I loved being that side. And then all of a sudden that was going to become everything. Um, but yeah, I'm lucky. I have no delusions. I've had two careers. I, I played football for 21 years and now I've talked about it for 32 or so. Wow. So yeah, it was um, a little bit on the unusual side. Yeah. I just want to know, uh, this is something I've always wanted to know with broadcasters and everything like that. How do you prepare to call a game uh, on a Saturday or Sunday? What are some of the things you're looking at? How much tape do you watch and, and what statistics are you looking at um, before you, you go into calling a game? Well, you get research packets okay. uh, from the clubs you're doing. They send you your press release and all their stats. Uh, you do some research besides that stuff that interests you or things that interest you and you maybe want to talk about on air that you can share with your broadcast team and they can get tape and have stats ready. Um, and you watch a lot of tape. You know, if you have two teams, I, I would say most guys minimum you watch the last three to four games they play, mm-hmm. you know, in coaches tape. Wow. And that gives you a really good idea. Um, I used to watch the TV version too, kind of to almost hear about what other guys are talking about. So I don't repeat stories and whatnot, mm-hmm. but I sort of stopped doing that because, you know, you never know what's going to fit where it's, where stuff is going to fit. Yeah, And that's the thing about, you know, preparing you, if you have a hundred pound sack of things that you prepare for going into the game, um, the one thing you can pretty much count on 80% of that's still going to be in that sack when you get done. Mm-hmm. And, and there's not much you can do about that, but a lot of tape and all that. Um, the weekend's important because you got to work with your crew, your producer, your director, your broadcast associate, your associate director, your your play-by-play guy. Uh, and that chemistry is really, really important. 
Um, but the prep wise, there's kind of no way around that. And just so people know, there are no tele, uh, teleprompters in a mm-hmm. broadcast booth. <laughs> at least I've never had seen one. Right. So there's no, there's nothing in front of me that's got stats and names and, and people kind of assume that's what goes on. Yeah. I mean, you have, you know, this year is your, uh, play-by-play guy talking in your headset, and this year, this year is your statistician going. Oh, in this situation, uh, they are thirty-seven percent in the red zone. Mm-hmm. No, that doesn't happen. That that's either something you've written down is in front of you, or you've kind of stuck in your brain. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that leaves something that I've always that uh, that it was fun to do at first, and has become kind of a chore since then. Is after the game you got to flush your brain because mm. mm. all that information you've downloaded for five or six days. Yeah. Now Monday morning, that stuff doesn't matter. Useless. Yeah. You got no use for it and you've got to kind of clean out your brain, all the names and numbers and stats. Yeah. And you got to start downloading all over. Mm. Oh, that's a good point. A couple more questions, Randy, about your life after football, then definitely looking forward to talking to you about your time sure. with the 49ers. Uh, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your podcast, what that experience has been like. And is there one episode that you could pick out for us for someone, you know how it is trying out new podcasts for the first time. If there's one episode that you'd like to recommend that kind of, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, you're the most proud of or your favorite interview or something like that, uh, that you'd recommend for someone trying it out for the first time. Um. You know, I, I've got five seasons now, uh, and I think the the least amount of episodes we had in the season was about 15. Oh, wow. So we got a decent amount of backlog. I've done, I, the, the one thing I would tell people about my podcast is if you go online, go to randycross.com, and the whole library kind of lives there by seasons and everything else. Um, just scroll through. Because I don't just talk to football people. I don't talk to sports people. I've talked to people all across, you know, all sorts of different categories. I've always been really, really uh, intrigued by the whole concussion and head injury Mm. um, situation, I'll call it, uh, and what's going on with CTE and things like that. So I I I would strongly encourage people to kind of Look at those. Go to those episodes because I, I, I tend to have not only just interviews. I do different segments. Mm. You know, things that I call the ambulance, people crying and whatnot about things and Food looking reviews. dumb and happy trails and um, sports and barbecue. Or I, I put all kinds of different things in my podcast. So of late, I've had to just be interviews because my producers. Uh, had to move, make a big uh, career change. So he hasn't had as much time to put into it, but it'll be back at that pretty quick. Yeah, definitely. That's something I wanted to talk about with you is that uh, you you uh, are uh, really into, uh, you, you're taking a, a big liking to uh, talking about the CTE and the effects of that and everything like that. And you actually are going to, uh, I saw on your Instagram that you're talking about you're going to donate your brain um, after, after you pass and everything yeah. like that to have it researched and to look into it and everything like that. Can you talk a little bit about that and, um, how many people do you know that it's affected? And, uh, honestly, just an honest question. Do you notice like effects from it as well? Um, yeah, I, I don't notice much in the way of effects and that's really one of the reasons 
And I played 21 years of football. I didn't start till the ninth grade. Mm -hmm. Thank God. Mm. You know, thank God I wasn't one of those starting in the fifth grade, banging and getting Mm. injuries. Yeah. I wouldn't have lasted. I don't think as long. Um, But, you know, I, I, I was lucky. And I I think that's one of the reasons I donated my brain. Uh, The organization is Concussion Legacy Foundation. Mm -hmm. Um, They're based out of uh, Boston. Chris Nowinski, who's a former WWF uh, wrestler and um, Harvard football player, kind of started that whole thing. Dr. Robert Cantu, uh, Ann McKee, another doctor, uh, are incredible researchers into the whole deal. In fact, if you remember, there was a controversy several years ago now where they had 111 donated brains from football players of all ages and careers and lengths of careers and whatnot. And 110 of them showed signs Mm. of CTE. Hmm. And that's one of the first articles that really got my attention. Yeah. Now, was it a bit skewed because they were just football players and certain ages? Yeah, it was. Sure. But it, this, this CTE issue really exists. And the whole idea of repetitive blows to the brain cuts across all sports. It's not just football. It includes baseball. It includes soccer. It includes basketball. It includes gymnastics. I mean, go across it. Mm. Concussions happen everywhere. And we know pathetically little about how this thing up here in our noggin works. And those those doctors really do an excellent job. So when I donated my brain, it was all with the idea of, you know, you need some that are you know, as Marty Feldman in Young Frankenstein said, that are Abbey normal. Um, besides the Abbey normal, you need the normal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm probably far from normal in that regard, <laughs> but I'm pretty damn close for 21 yeah. years in the league. So when I die, uh, they can have my brain to kind of look at it and go, okay, how come this guy mm-hmm. doesn't have stage four? Mm. And this guy over here that played, you know, youth football, high school football, college football, and two years in the NFL has stage four CTE. Or this soldier over here who was kicking indoors in, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan and multiple concussive blows, which are just as, you know, that concussion, concussive blows are both physically getting hit and the air can hit you that hard as we've found out in, you know, so many instances. So you see soldiers are coming down with this too. So it just, it's something that I get kind of passionate about and I can talk about obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. I drive doctors crazy because <laughs> I don't know much, but yeah. <laughs> that which I do, I'll ask them about. Yeah. yeah. Do you, I mean, obviously you can't take concussions completely out of the game, but do you think the NFL and the NCAA are doing enough to minimize concussions? Um, and are they doing enough for you guys after you're done, after your playing career is over to help uh, mitigate the health effects of concussions? Are they supporting you guys uh, adequately? Do you think? Um, I'll answer your last questions first. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I don't. Um, well, they hit it for so many years. Mm. I mean, those of us, and when I was playing, we never got the chance to make an informed decision because mm. they knew it was bad for us. They knew these things were happening. 
Um, all these guys that played in the fifties and sixties were starting to have these, these incidents when I was at the end of my career, which was like 30 years behind me. Um, and the NFL said nothing about it. Mm. And it wasn't until about 93 or so that some of the medical establishment started mentioning this and then get up to around 2000. That's when it really hit. Well, when it really hit, yeah, they did some things. Their, their, their issues, what they've done has been, you know, they've sprinkled some money on it. They've, they've paid off some families and, and people that have been affected and, and they've really needed it and they're to be commended for that. But uh, I, I think it's sort of a uh, token deal personally. Mm. And they manage the funds and their people manage the funds. So who it goes to is, but that's another issue. Yeah. Um, so I, I think from that standpoint, no, they haven't managed it well. Uh, the NCAA has had virtually, you know, nothing um, against them. Not that I've noticed, uh, which is, it, it's all focused on the NFL. So, but I, I will say one thing on the field, the rule changes and you guys notice this on TV, mm-hmm. the rule changes in college football and the rule changes in the NFL over the course of the last 10 or 20 years have really affected the game. And in a real positive way, they've helped the health of the players. And that to me is something they should both be highly commended for because the game is dangerous. It's still dangerous. It'll never be safe. It can't be safe. You know, it's inherently, you know, I've replaced both my shoulders. And, you know, I have neck issues and things like that. And people ask me, how'd that happen? I said, well, it might be 20 years of running in stuff, running into stuff for <laughs> yeah, a living. I'm not do sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. You know, so I, I, I think the rule changes have been great because if you look at the size and weight of people that were playing when I played, because I, repl- I retired, I was 6'3", 290. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the guy that plays my position right now is probably six, still six, three, but he's probably three and a quarter. Mm-hmm. And the guys they're blocking are probably three forty. Yeah. And can move. And those guys on the outside are six, six, two fifty and run four, four forties. Do the physics on that one. Yeah. Right. When you talk about collisions and mm-hmm. force. Yeah. So the fact that they've, they fixed a lot of these problems is is really good because you know I, I say this all the time and people cringe but if they hadn't have made these rules changes mm. people would have started dying on the football field wow. because of what guys would have done it wouldn't have been intentional but that's just sort of would have been the net result yeah absolutely absolutely randy do you think there's a chance it, obviously the game has gotten quicker no doubt about it. Players are stronger. No doubt about it. Do you think there's a chance that there's something outside of football also happening where maybe as a society, our brains are more susceptible to concussions? Um, like, uh, gosh, ADD is on the rise. Alzheimer's on the rise. Like all these other things outside of football, our brains in some ways are being, um, I don't want to say attacked, but they're, they're more susceptible to other stuff. Could there be another factor outside of football, in addition to the harder hits and the faster games that are making us more susceptible. Now, none of us are doctors here, and I want to clarify that, but I'm just curious if that's a thought that has has crossed your mind since this is a topic you're, you're so passionate about. 
Yeah. Um, all those subjects you, you can kind of, those are pretty deep rabbit holes, you know, as far as Alzheimer's and, and dementia and those type of things. And, and they are connected and related to CTE and whatnot. So there's something to be said for the more we know about it and the more we're able to identify things um, like CTE, you can't currently uh, identify it in the living. It's got to be a mm-hmm. post-mortem diagnosis. Um, but the other ones you can, you can diagnose while still living. I would say the, the one thing that our brains now are more susceptible to than ever before is suggestion, mm-hmm. um, information. Um, are there more ADD cases than in 1970? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if in 1970 we knew what it was. Right. They were, the kids were fidgety back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the more we know in a lot of cases, I don't know, the less we know. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I, I think hum, the human brain is, uh, is getting close to overload into what, uh, what they can process that's for sure and and what they can diagnose themselves you know and 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 that's and i think that's one of the not the dangerous and challenging things for parents cuz you know you're 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 looking at a kid growing up in this era how much do you expose them electronically to what they can and can't see and read and and watch and hear and every, and all that cuz you know, that suggestion becomes fact in people's brains pretty fast. Yeah, really, really good point. Uh, we had Austin Eckler on a couple of weeks ago. He was actually our first guest and we're asking him about the 17 game season. Um, and you bring up some really good points about how the game has gotten safer. But I almost wonder, like, does that kind of get negated when yeah, yeah, the game is a little bit safer every day, but then you add an extra game. And when we talked to him, he was kind of conflicted. He was like, you know, a lot of the younger players are like, hey, this is a little more money. This is good. But a lot of the older players that have wear and tear already are like uh, not happy with that extra game. Uh, What are your thoughts about that extra game? And and if you were still playing today and that extra game was added, uh, how how do you think you'd be feeling? Yeah. Um, well, I'd, I'd have one more paycheck, so I'd be excited <laughs> about that. Um, you know, that's really what it's all about. It's all, it's got nothing to do with competitive balance or anything. It's, it's about the money and there is actually a lot more money out there. So if you think 17 is the limit, mm. uh, you'd be wrong. Yeah. You know, it's, they've been playing 20 games for a long time. They've only been counting 16 of them. Mm. So as this number ratchets back up, it's a negotiated thing between the players, the players association and the NFL. And God knows there's enough money in it for there to be 20 games eventually. Um, and, and the whole issue of player safety will be addressed, but it's, it's going to be about the money. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of what it's, uh, what it's based in. And that's, that's what it has been and always has been. And, and when they start doing these CBAs and you can tell you're getting close to the end of a CBA when these sort of things start popping up mm. and a CBA, by the way, is collective bargaining agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, because when they start extending these things out, 
it's a negotiation process. So when that money starts getting divvied up, you know, and it's the players and it's, so then you get the older, you know, the old heads like myself, we're the ones that miss checks in 82. Mm. So there could be free agency. We're the ones that miss checks in 87. So there could be free agency. Um, there's not much consideration uh, when it comes to that in these negotiations as they've happened over the decades, which is too bad. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, I, I gave up a long time ago on the fact that, you know, the union was going to do much to anything. You know, I, I'm of retirement age, so mm. I'm not going to lie and say I'm not drawing money from the union pension fund. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not not what it's cracked up yeah, to be. Yeah, it's, sure. it's not what people think it is. Yeah. Speaking of heads, uh, you have an amazing head of hair. I've always admired it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's great. I, I want to know why you haven't gotten that shit braided yet. You should, yeah. man. <laughs> Just show up on a Saturday afternoon. You got a, I, you know, I never got some cornrows or something. Why not? You, know, I, you, you have, you have no, no idea how many times I've been on the beach in places like Jamaica and the Bahamas and Cancun and whatnot. When I used to take the kids on vacations during spring break. Yeah. And at least one of the three kids got their head, their hair braided on those. There trips. you go. You should have always. Hey, dad, you got to do no. it. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> no. You should. <laughs> well, at times I've had it long enough. Yeah. Too. You got. All, yeah. I remember. Down about here. Yeah. You got an amazing, amazing head of lettuce. Yeah, you might so as well. I think you should. <laughs> Looks good. Yeah. <laughs> I, if, yeah. If, I am well quaffed. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, everybody, we just want to take a quick second to tell you about one of our favorite sponsors. Chad, go fund yourself. What'd you say to me, man? Yeah, go fund yourself with life, disability, or Medicare coverage license in Texas, Maine, and Colorado. For more information, go to alfonzomurray.com. And that's A-L-F-O-N-Z-O-M-U-R-R-A-Y.com. He also represents AIG, John Hancock, Aetna, Humana, and Cigna. So uh, he's going to find you the best deal he possibly can. And we have it on good authority that he's not pushy. And uh, most insurance guys, they are notorious for being pushy, weird, creepy dudes. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've gotten to know Alfonso a little bit, and he's like the most laid back, chill person. And that's a nice thing to have when you're talking to an insurance guy yeah. that's not going to be like following up and just relentlessly hunting, hunting you down. They just care about getting your money. He cares about you as a person. So definitely check him out if you're yeah. interested in insurance. You don't want your insurance guy following your girlfriend on Instagram, man. That's creepy as hell. You don't <laughs> need to do that. It's not going to make me want to buy insurance from exactly. you. you know? So uh, talk to Alfonso. He's not going to be creepy. He's not going to... Uh, be calling you up. He's not going to be texting you relentlessly and everything like that. He's going to be very uh, cool and calm and everything. Absolutely. So check out alfonzomurray.com. That's A-L-F-O-N-Z-O-M-U-R-R-A-Y.com. I want to ask you, uh, you're also, you seem to be an avid golfer, and I saw that you've already had four hole-in-ones in in your lifetime. Are you playing, I just want to know, are you playing from the junior tees? or (laughs) Because that's impressive. I play a lot of golf, and I still don't have one hole-in-one, much less four. I don't know if I can get some tips, and if you and I ever play together, will you give me ten strokes and let me tee off from the ladies' tees? (laughs) (laughs) Well, um... (laughs) <laughs> if your pride will let you <laughs> hey i don't give a shit i don't give a damn i'll do it and, and no and no on and no on the 10 strokes um, i yeah, probably I've need been, 20 playing, i started playing golf um kind of beer golf yeah when i was in uh 
college and then as a pro, you know, on a day off, you'd go, we'd go over to Half Moon Bay and play golf there. Kind of bring a case of beer, yeah. and drink beer and play golf and hit houses and have fun. <laughs> um, but I, I, I started playing it seriously after I retired and I got down to, you know, about a two or three handicap. Oh, wow. Nice. For a while. Um, and th- th- then I started repl- replacing shoulders oh. and I can oh. tell you when you start putting titanium in here mm-hmm. and here, you will, uh, your handicap will be sorely affected. Yeah. So I'm currently, at least on my course here, I'm a 12 handicap. Still pretty good. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, hole in ones are, I'm not going to lie to you. You don't plan a hole in one. No. Mm. It's just blind ass and luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know pros that have never had a hole in one. Mm-hmm. It's funny to say that, but there's, they may hit it close, but it's never really gone in. Same. <laughs> I've had, I've had a couple that have come within like a foot or something like that. I, I count them close enough, you know, I'll take that birdie and everything. <laughs> but, uh, uh, we want to transition now to, um, a little 49er talk. Uh, we was obviously like a, a big topic right now with the 49ers sure. is Trey Lance. And um, I just want to ask you, as a former 49er, obviously a fan of the team and everything like that, how do you see that competition shaking out? And how long do you think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be there? Um, well, I will say before this draft happened, I, I was of the very strong opinion that no matter who they drafted, that person was was joining a Super Bowl ready team. Mm-hmm. That guy was going to join a team that to me was in the top four of teams that could go to the Super Bowl. Wow. So you can rank those four any way you want. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, the Niners are one of those four teams based on kind of their recent history, but mainly based on who they have coming back off IR, yeah, which is almost like they're all pro team, yep. um, which is going to have a huge effect on how they play on the field. So having said that, yeah, getting Trey Lance, they, they spent some equity to get him to get up there to make that pick. They kind of head faked a lot of people about that and good for them. You know, they're the drafts, the draft, and sometimes people are smarter than everybody else. And other times they just think they are, mm-hmm. but you never really know that until about three or four years down the road. Right. So as of right now, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan and Jed York and that organization is just smarter than everybody else. And they've got a quarterback in Jimmy G who's a, has been in a Super Bowl, in case people forget that. Um, and they've got a young guy in Trey Lance that probably in the next year or two is going to be their starter. And that's, that's the current reality that Jimmy G lives in. Now, he can either like it, he can hate it, he can be a mentor, he can be a, you know, grumpy old guy, or, <laughs> you know, it's, it's all kind of up to him. But, you know, the bottom line to me is they're that much better for it. And with a coach like Kyle Shanahan and that staff and their imagination, I think they can find some very intriguing things to do with a Trey Lance on the field as he transitions into what he's going to be. Oh, yeah. I mean, red zone packages, bringing him in for a play here and there. Now the defenses have to prepare, like the Saints always talk about with with, uh, Taysom Hill, the defense has to prepare for that 
package and puts a lot more pressure on them. So I think that's definitely mm-hmm. exciting for the 49ers offense. Speaking of the team um, and, and the current state of things, Richard Sherman may or may not be coming back to the 49ers. We had on last week, Grant Cohn. He's been covering the 49ers for a while. Um, and he had some fairly harsh words to say about Sherman's current game. Um, I, I disagree with him a little bit. Um, he said Sherman um, is more of a zone corner than a, a man corner. And I, I think that part's true. But he thinks that his days at cornerback are done and that he'd be better suited as a safety and since you've watched so much tape um, and you cover the you know you watch the 49ers closely where do you think how many more years do you think Sherman has left uh, as a a solid starting cornerback yeah I mean that's that's everyone's sort of go-to on most guys that play corner is the fact that they can hey you can now be a safety Mm. Um, and it sure as hell worked out Pretty well for Ronnie Lott. <laughs> yeah, not bad. people forget how good he was as a corner. <laughs> yeah, earlier in his career, mm-hmm. uh, and you know it wasn't because he was slow that he got moved. He right. just had more field to deal with as a safety, and that was a good thing. Maybe that works that way for Richard Sherman. Um, I'm not really sure. I, I I think he's made his money. He's made his career as a corner, and that's where he'll kind of he'll kind of finish his his journey. Um, I know he, he might finish his journey as a Seahawk only for at least for a mm-hmm. day when he signs and retires eventually. <laughs> but I think he's got, he's got value. It's all, it's all a health use, uh, issue. You know, how much will he be available? How much can you count on him? That's- and when you get older and start getting hurt, you know, teams make alter alternative plans and sometimes you're not in it. It ain't personal. Yeah. You know, kind of like, the Godfather movies. It's not personal. It's business. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can you talk a little bit about Joe Montana? For a long time, he was considered the greatest quarterback in NFL history, and then Tom Brady has kind of taken that claim. Uh, what are some of the uh, some of the uh, ways that you see that they're similar in your mind? And also, I want to put you on the spot and um, tell me who you think is is a better quarterback right now. Um, you know. I- I'll, I'll say one thing. You'd never hear Joe Montana playing that. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. Mm. So that's a, that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. He, that ain't, that ain't the way he's built. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, but look, I've got a lot of jewelry. Because of <laughs> Joe Montana. Yep. Um, he was four and oh in Super Bowl, as in four wins and zero losses. Yeah. Yep. And certain quarterbacks can't say they have zero losses. True story. Um, he threw 11 touchdowns and no interceptions in the Super Bowls. So, I, I, to me, some of that counts. But I think it also is short-sighted. We get, we get so – this is – the media especially, but sports in general is the church of what's happening now. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And now it's about him. It's about Brady. But, you know, in the mid-60s, it was about Bart Starr. Yep. Wow. In the 50s, it was about Otto Graham. In the 80s, it was the uh, 70s and 80s. It was about early 80s. It was about Terry Bradshaw. He was 4-0. Mm-hmm. Um, so every kind of era as we move along has got their guy. And the one thing that makes it even more confounding is there's no rational way to actually compare eras. Yeah. It's like pass rushers. Mm-hmm. How do you compare yeah. LT to pick a guy? Miles mm-hmm. Turner, twenty twenty one, twenty twenty. Yep, yep. 
you know, it's, it's, it's not possible. You can't, you can't do that. You know, who's, you know, you, you can look at certain things like versatility at running back. You can look at there, there are certain generation skippers that, that jump out. They just jump out. I start at from the start of their career to the end of their career. They just make you sit up and go, dang, mm. you know, Jerry Rice was a generation skipper. Mm-hmm. Jim Brown was a generation skipper. Lawrence Taylor was a generation skipper. Um, plenty of guys, you know, I, I would consider personally, um, a guy like Derrick Henry isn't a generation skipper. He's kind of like a generation throwback. Mm. He's a guy that could have played in the fifties, the sixties, the seventies, the eighties, you pick a decade, Derrick Henry could play in it. And that's, that's makes him a very, a highly unusual guy by today, you know, in today's game. Yeah, I might say Frank Gore kind of in that in that same mold. I think Frank would have done okay back then as well. That bruising style. He played in the 50s, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like it, yeah. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Hey, speaking of Joe, um, I know you've been asked this question before, but I can't resist. Can can you walk us through the catch? One of the most iconic plays in NFL history. You were on the field for it. I'd love if you could walk us through and two obviously you knew at the time that was a big game obviously because it meant going to the super bowl 49ers dynasty was starting yeah. but did you appreciate at the moment that that was going to be i mean one of the biggest moments in the history of the nfl still all these years yeah. later did you appreciate it at, at that time no nah, i don't think anybody did i'm not gonna <laughs> lie to you um that just you know um, it was big to us cause they, we had beaten the snot out of them earlier in the season and we didn't get any credit for it. Mm. Um, that play is iconic because it is basically considered like kind of the Genesis point for a team and an organization that for almost 20 years was dominant in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we had played, I mentioned that game earlier against Dallas we had our first touchdown against Dallas in the early season game was on that play sprint ride option. Um, Our first, one of our first touchdowns in that game against Dallas was sprint ride option. Mm. Um, So sprint ride option was the name of the play that was called. And it's supposedly it's built like you've got a, an X receiver on the outside, Dwight Clark, and he's going to run down, go across the end line, and then work back. And you've got the Z, the slot, uh, Freddie Solomon runs a quick little pattern. And it's Joe is a short roll. And I do mean a short roll. <laughs> and for those of you that, that may have played offensive line, when you're getting that thought in your brain, okay, where's the quarterback? I got to know where I'm protecting. Um, he's supposed to be behind the tight end. So you're going to start sliding, but you're not going to slide too far because you don't want the guy to come underneath you. So we're sliding. Keith Fonhorst and I are sliding with our guys, and they keep going. And we're like, where's he going? And we kind of look over, and Joe is like sprinting to the sideline. Um, and he throws that pass. I'm looking right straight down the field. had a great view of it. Mm-hmm. Dwight just jumped up out of nowhere. Uh, contrary to popular opinion, Joe was not throwing that away. Sorry, Cowboy fan. Because um, 
I had spent off seasons playing with he and he and Joe, they could both play football. I mean, basketball, mm. they could both get up and jump. Mm. And that was no mistake. Joe was throwing that ball where only he knew DC could get it. Mm. And DC went up and got it. And, and that play, it ended a lot of misery for those of us that had a point of reference. Cause I mean, I, I had won, I had won nine games, uh, my first year, five games, my second year, two games, my third, two games, my fourth, six year, six games, my fifth. So that was my point of reference on long time winning. It, it didn't exist. Yeah. So we won like crazy that year. We won that game. Um, and that's one of my favorite things to look at because I'll occasionally see the video on social media of the post-game scene. Everybody mm. watches the catch. <laughs> if you watch mm. after Eric Wright pulls down Drew Pearson, because they almost scored a touchdown afterwards, um, mm. and the game is over, the the scene with the police on the horses, yeah. and the fans, and it was it was bedlam. Mm. And most of the players involved didn't hang around to celebrate with the fans. It was kind of scary. Everybody was hauling ass <laughs> off the field and get to the locker room. Can you, can you give um, us yeah, insight what the what the locker it, room was it like? It was sort of that 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 nexus point. Can you give us insight? I mean, the cameras caught the moment that that you're describing where the fans were on the field. Nobody, well, not nobody, fans don't know what it was like in the locker room immediately after the game. I mean, what was Bill Walsh like? What were you feeling at that time? I mean, do you remember anything that anybody said to anybody that you can give us some insight into the emotion and the feelings that were were going on at that time? Um. Eh, not for a family style audience. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It was. It was a celebration like you could imagine, because mm. um, we had not won that much. I think the the prevailing theme um, was we knew we had. It was kind of unfinished business. Mm. We had dealt with Dallas. Now we were going to get a chance to play Cincinnati again. We had beaten them earlier in the year. Uh, at their place. And so we were getting a chance to play, play the Bengals in the Super Bowl, which was hard to wrap your head around because how bad we had been mm. just so recently to that. Um, now suddenly we were going to the Super Bowl, but we had fallen into what I always refer to as next mode. And that was as soon as the game was over, it was like, okay, what's next? Who's next? And, and it happened to be the Bengals. It made that Super Bowl a little weird because mm. when we won that one and we were on the bus listening to music and singing songs and celebrating, and we kind of looked at each other about next and went, <laughs> there is no next. Mm. Next is the Pro Bowl, and then we're done. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, it was um, it was it was a great experience, but it was it was something that I think not being familiar with the whole winning and how to do it and whatnot. Um it, it it challenged a lot of us from that in that regard because we had at least a dozen or so players that didn't get cut the next year that sort of cut themselves by how they acted off the field. Yeah. Mm. Um, so you said uh, you guys were singing and dancing and everything after that. Uh, I've checked out your Twitter, your Instagram, and everything like that. You seem to be a 
a big Michael Jackson fan. I just want to know before you go on air, are you in the uh, you're in the press box doing a little moonwalk? Where in the where in the did, hell did you get that? You didn't you where you were I thought that? you I thought you you <laughs> you posted a couple of Michael Jackson songs. I was going back though. I mean, maybe you were just in a certain mood or some shit. I don't know, but it seemed like uh, it might have been it might have been a mood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was more of a rock and roll. Oh, really? Uh, all right, I, all right. I've flopped between you know hard rock, a little bit of the other rock, which at that point was like Queen and uh, the Eagles and Huey Lewis and whatnot. Mm. You know, all the way over to country and Willie Nelson. Mm. Um, but no, no, Michael Jackson. Not not, not a fan. Not a huge. I mean, I appreciated the. I appreciated the fan that he, the fact that he had a lot of successful music, but I wasn't a huge fan. Oh, okay. Hey, you brought up uh, Willie Nelson. You brought up barbecue really quickly earlier, and now we're talking about live music. I got to ask, if you've spent time in Austin where we're based, have you spent much time here? Yes. Yes. I used to play uh, every year in a uh, golf tournament put on by Doug English. What we'd, course did you guys uh, play? Come down and terrorize downtown downtown Austin <laughs> and uh, have a great time before we'd head up to the Lakeview Cafe, an old establishment that's no longer there, and some other places. What course did you play at in Austin? Do you remember? Um, I want to say, I think it was at. Uh, Eventually, it was at, was it the Hills? Yeah, yeah, okay. That's in the Austin mm-hmm. area, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It was it was there. Later on, it was there, but it was somewhere, it was somewhere around a lake. I do remember that. Most wow. of the fun was not on the, at the golf course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was afterwards. <laughs> the nightlife scene here is pretty good, my, pretty robust. That was during my... Be- that was during my beer golf period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I don't know if you've been here in a while. We've got a great place uh, called Still Austin. It's a, a whiskey distillery, and we send all our guests that come on the show a bottle of uh, bourbon. So you can look forward to that in the mail. So after the show, I'll email you and ask for your address. That'll be coming along the way. Um, but I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the Hall of Fame, Randy, um, and uh, you not being in the Hall of Fame. Um, Chad and I both have had extensive conversations, and we feel like you should be. Uh, um, and, uh, we want to know what we got to do to, to bang the table and, and make this happen to get you in the hall of fame. And is this something that that's on your mind? Um, knowing that you, you put so much time and effort uh, into your career and that's an, an added step of recognition that you haven't gotten yet. Yeah. Do you want us to start, uh, we can, we can threaten some people no, if you I- want. <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it might take. Yeah, we could, we could. Um, no, no. <laughs> You know, it's, I learned a long time ago, um, and, I, and I, I've had some great teachers from Steve Butler in high school to Terry Donahue in college to Bob McKittrick and Bill Walsh and the pros and innumerable people in business and whatnot since then um, to not dwell on or worry about things I have no control over. And that would be in my world, pretty high on the list of things mm. I got no control over. Mm. Um, I can't play more games. I can't do a lot of things. You know, legacy is legacy. Um, I don't, you know, I, I, I know kind of how it worked at the time. I know we were not terribly popular, um, especially with the media. 
you know, that, that was all about the NFCs and smash mouth football and mm. all that stuff back in those days. And we were sort of usurpers uh, into that whole system. And, uh, you know, for a long time, that whole process was, was run by people that were, were, were birthed, uh, birthed out of that. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, I've been through the eligibility period. Um, I've been in the senior category for obviously quite some time. Um, so no, it's, uh, I, I, I think it's well put to say there are, there are several people that deserve to be in there. They've done a really, really nice job the last couple of years with these larger classes mm. of, um, uh, fixing any kind of backlog and whatnot. But, you know, to be honest, you know, I love my career. I love my team. I love Eddie DeBartolo and Joe and Roger and Jerry and Ronnie and all them um, that are, you know, lifelong friends. But, you know, I could give two shits what <laughs> those people really think of my career or how I played or anything else. I, I don't, I don't need the writers you're talking about, right? The, the, the voters validation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't need their validation. Right. I don't get it. So what a coincidence, but you know, I don't happen to, I don't happen to dwell on it. I get asked about that about every year when this subject kind of heats up, mm -hmm. I don't pay much attention to it. I thought the player that dealt with it the best over the last couple of decades was Harry Carson who basically gave him all a, a single digit salute uh, <laughs> shortly thereafter he got in. But yeah, I thought that was the best response because, you know, really it's, you know, as it always has been, what's the qualification? I'll, I'll ask you guys a question. Mm. Should you be all pro or is it pro bowl? Mm. Yeah. Mm. You know, what's, what has more, what has more, you know, more influence. Is it all NFC, all AFC? Right. Yeah, you know, I look at people all the time and they say, well, Pro Bowl is much more important. I said, well, at certain positions, there's six guys that make the Pro Bowl, right. but there's only two all pros. Yep. So which is more of yeah. an identifier? All pros, certainly. And if you have six guys at one and you go like first and second team all pro, that's only four guys. Mm -hmm. at some positions. Yeah. And if you play quarterback, there's only one, yeah. you know, that position, my son, Brendan played quarterback in youth and high school and college. Um, and I always told him, I, you know, I, I, I did a throwback to him. I'd say, go look at the old Highlander movie. You know, and the, the whole theme in that is there can be only one. I said, you're playing a position where there can be only one. Mm -hmm. So only one of you is going to play. And those are those are the truly challenging spots mm. and positions to to quantify. Linemen are, you know, you got to know what you're talking about for one thing. And you know, there's not that many people on the earth drawing breath that really know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I agree with that. Uh, I want to ask you just a few more questions before we let you go. But uh, you you said that you you retired and then uh, the 49ers won the Super Bowl the next year. Was there any regret on your part thinking like if I'd have stayed one more year, I could have got a fourth ring or what have you? Or were you you satisfied and you thought, no, I hung it up when I needed to and, and I don't want to put my body through another year of that? I mean, hell yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah not. Um, especially, 
you know, I had signed a contract with CBS that said I was going to do like seven games. Well, I ended up doing 15. Uh, I ended up working with the NFL today on the sideline for the divisional playoff game and the NFC championship game. Um, so I had a chance to be there. I was on the field at Candlestick <laughs> watching warmups for the NFC championship Whoa. game, saying to myself, you're an idiot. <laughs> you left too soon. Yeah. You, you could be on this team and you would be winning another Super Bowl because it was pretty obvious they were going to beat the crap out of whoever they played. Denver, yeah. And they did with the Broncos. Yeah. Right? But two weeks later, I was in New Orleans because I was doing a bunch of media stuff with CBS. And the morning before the game, I got a call from Frank Murphy, who was running CBS radio at that point. And he says, hey, are you available to do the game tomorrow? And I sat up in bed, because it was like at 8 o'clock in the morning in New Orleans. 8 o'clock in the morning, about 4 a.m. Yeah, yeah. In most other yeah. cities. You get ready um, to go to bed. So 8 o'clock in the morning, I go like, say what? You want me to what? And he goes, yeah. Um, Hank Stram has done all as many public appearances and speaking engagements as he can. And he's got no voice now. Mm. He's lost his voice completely. And we don't know how long he'll last during the game. Mm -hmm. And we want you to be there because you got to sit in for him. So I got a chance to my first year out of the league, do a Super Bowl on the radio. But cool man, story? I was sitting there watching Roger and Jerry and, and Joe, and my old guys on the line. And that team just shred Denver. <laughs> And I can't tell you how many times during commercial breaks, I'm like, look, at you are a dummy. You are a dummy. You started. So, yeah. Yeah. I hey, three rings that. aren't bad, though. Yeah, three yeah. rings aren't bad at all. <laughs> no, the only thing better than three is four. four. Yeah, yeah. You started calling that game in the third quarter, right? <laughs> that Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, beginning beginning of the second half. Well, it was just such a blowout. Hank was just like, "I'm not. I'm getting out of here. I'm about to go party. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is bullshit." <laughs> uh, Probably. Yeah, it was uh, actually it was Neil Pilson. It was Neil Pilson. Okay. I was in the hallway because mm. they had they had, they were doing halftime, and I was in the hallway above where this the radio booth was. Just chilling, and I saw this guy striding down the hall. Mm. I'm going. That looks like Neil Pills. He got closer. I said, "That is Neil Pilson." He looks at me and goes, "What in the hell are you doing out here?" <laughs> well, they're working in there, and I'm not. Yeah. So I was out here just kind of taking a break. He goes, "Come on, you're going on the air." Wow. So he takes me in the booth, and he's 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 signaling at Hank, going, "You." Out, wow. you out wow. like this, and he tells me to sit down on the second row. He goes, "Put that headset on." Wow! And they cut off Hank's headset, and then Jack Buck starts talking to me, and I'm like, "I don't want to make eye contact," because I, I knew <laughs> Hank pretty well, <laughs> and I'm saying, "I don't want to." I did. This is not my fault. Oh, I didn't wow. do this, but yeah, it was uh, it was very uncomfortable. Initially, wow. um, the way it happened, but it was uh, very memorable. Wow, that's a great story right there. Uh, going back to your playing days, Randy, can you tell us maybe a couple of defensive linemen that were uh, always the toughest for you to go up against? Was there anybody that you you knew you'd have to bring a little extra that day because you were you were going up against them? Well, yeah, I, I, I play. I was lucky enough to play against some of the all time greats early in my career. 
Um, I played against Merlin Olson. I played against uh, Alan Page, guys like that. Um, you know, matchups are always different, you know, because mm. the guys I had the hardest time with were guys like Steve McMichael and Joe Klecko, who were mm. the shorter, quicker, really, really strong guys. Um, they maybe played kind of like I played guard. And that's that was what made the matchup rough because mm. there's always people and it's, it's usually not a high profile guy for most guys. It's just somebody with a match like boxing. Yeah, there's always a bad there's always a bad match in boxing. It's rarely number one versus number two. It's usually like number one versus number twenty seven. Yeah, mm. it's just not a good match phys- physically. Um, but yeah, that's in fact Merlin Olson. I played early in my career. Back in high school, he gave me my All CIF award in Southern California. Oh. at uh, before the ha- before the Pro Bowl started in the Coliseum. Uh, five years later, <clears throat> we're shaking hands in pregame before the coin toss on a Monday night football game. Um, and I say, "Good to meet you, sir." And he looks at me and kind of shakes his head and goes, "Man, I'm getting old." <laughs> and you know, we won that game really, really convincingly that year. And then now for fast forward again, my last year in 88, we're in London and he and Dick Enberg are doing the game for NBC. And we're talking in the locker room. He sits down next to me and 10 minutes or so having a conversation. He gets up and leaves. Rookie whose locker is right there next to me comes back and sits down. And he, he looks at me and goes, man, that is cool. Mm. I said, yeah, I played against that guy when I was a rookie. And he looked at me and goes, Father Murphy played football? <laughs> and I said, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, Father Murphy played football for a long time. <laughs> you ever hear of the fearsome foursome? That was part of the fearsome <laughs> There you go. That's awesome. Uh, I just want to ask you one more. We want to ask you one, uh, one more question here before we let you go. Uh, the, one of the hottest topics in right. the NFL right now, as a broadcast, you know, I want to get your opinion as a broadcaster and as a former player. One of the hottest topics right now is uh, Aaron Rodgers. And I just want to know what you think is going on there and if you think he's justified in, in wanting out of Green Bay at this moment. Um, well, I know that however it is they've handled this situation, um, if you're in the NFL front office, you might want to take note of it, write it down, and don't do that right. with your guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been handled, I think, really poorly. Yeah, he's a he's a... MVP. Mm-hmm. He's a quarterback. He's been in the league forever. He's been highly successful forever. He's a little bit of a prima donna, whether he'll admit <laughs> it or not. So, you know, did they handle him with kid gloves? No. But I tell you what, there are there's a long list and a longer list than people would admit of teams that would love to have Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. It's it's a it's a it's a you look at the situation the Packers are in though. Look at how many years he's been in the league. Look at how many yards he's thrown for, how he's played. Um, you give him another contract, you extend him for three, four, five years mm. and take on that load. It ain't going to be easy. It ain't going to be a small amount. Right. Yeah. It's going to be right there with the young guys as far as how much he's going to make. And that can be crippling for an organization, potentially, if you don't get X number of years out of it on Good the point. other end. So, you know, I don't, now that I'm just doing college football and not in the NFL, um, it's more amusing than anything else. (laughs) 
But my educated guess would be Aaron Rodgers plays somewhere else. Wow. And the Packers look like it um, when they start taking the field. Because I tell you what, uh, Aaron Rodgers is no Jordan Love. Yeah. Mm, mm. Yeah. I agree. I think that they handled that situation incredibly wrong. I think that as soon as they drafted Jordan Love, they put a, a they started the time the the clock on Rogers' career, and with a guy that's that accomplished yeah. and that good, still, yeah, you can understand why he got a little pissed off. Oh, yeah, I probably I would it. too, you know. Um, I get it because uh, you know Jordan Love. Well, it's it's only happened twice. It's only happened twice in NFL history now, where organizations have gone back to back quarterbacks. Mm. that are Hall of Fame, mm. title winning. It, it's only happened twice. And you Montana said, and Young yeah. and Favre and Rogers. Yeah, that's true. And if you think it's about to go one, two, three. Probably not. Uh, mm. No, mm. you're wrong. Yeah. I felt- and, and that's not a knock. That's not a knock on, jo- on, on Jordan Love. Yeah, mm, right. That's, that's just a reality. That's just reality. Historical facts. That ain't yeah. going to happen. Yeah. So. Yeah, just facts. Yeah, yeah. it's gonna it's <laughs> gonna be gonna inter- it's gonna be interesting to see uh, what happens there because uh, if he if he refuses to play or says he's gonna retire or something like that, it's gonna put them in a really awkward position. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. But Randy, this is awesome. Thank uh, you. Yeah, a, but it'll so, be Jeopardy's game. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> this has been a great interview, brother. I've always wanted to talk to you, and uh, like I said, I've been listening to you call games for for years and years, man. So this is awesome to talk to you. You've always been one of my favorite broadcasters. Thank did, you. Uh, we learned a lot about you today, Thank you. and uh, it was really awesome. We learned, uh, do not call you a Michael Jackson fan, or he will beat your ass. <laughs> <laughs> God damn, Randy, just chill out, man. I swear yeah. to God. <laughs> Won't do that but, again. He's a Huey Lewis and the News fan, everybody. Of, Calm down. There's a Shit. lot of reasons, a lot of reasons that, that have nothing to do with football. That's it's fair. all good. That's it's fair. all good, brother. Hey, people it's should so go good. to uh, randycross.com. Check out your awesome podcast. It's rcross51 on Instagram and at Randy Cross FB on Twitter. So make sure you give him a follow. Uh, so, so happy to have you on today. Thank you so much for your time, Thanks, Randy. Brother. No worries, guys. Take Thanks, care brother. Thanks. That's Randy Cross. Uh, All right, three, guys. Thanks see you later. Lot. Yep. Randy Cross, three-time Super Bowl winner with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, he said, like he said in the, in the interview, man, he's had two careers. He had the NFL career for 13 years, uh, you know, and then now he's been a broadcaster since 89, I, I think. So, uh, one of those rare guys that's able to cross over and be super, uh, talented and accomplished in both areas and he's great at both i mean he he didn't mention names but he kind of alluded to you know if you're a quarterback you don't even have to really be good in yeah, the yeah. and you'll get a job but he's good I yeah mean, he, no, is, he is he is really really good at what he does you can tell he's well prepared he calls a good game and there's and, been so many times where i've been watching games and i'm like dude i really like that uh color analyst you know yeah and it'll take me a second because there's so many so many color analysts and everything if you've got like the, the nfl package like i do like i get every year uh, you don't know what the hell game you're watching half the time or, or, you know, who's calling it or whatever. And so there's been many times when I've been watching the game, I'm like, dude, I like this color analyst, man. And I'm yeah. like, oh, shit, that's Randy Cross. He's been doing this forever. Yep. So uh, that's awesome to be able to talk to him and talk about the, both of the careers that he's had. Yeah, yeah. No, he's he's very, very well good mm-hmm. at, at what he does. And and he had some great stories about, you know, calling that Super Bowl, jumping in in the third quarter, yeah, yeah. coming in in relief. That was pretty cool to that's hear That's crazy. Well. That's probably never going to happen again, you know? Yeah, and I love, dude, how about him walking through the catch? How yeah, cool yeah, was yeah, that, yeah. man? Yeah. And Talking the post-game about, celebration afterwards. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. What a what a cool dude, man. What an awesome career too. Yeah. And um also like the the stuff that was interesting about the CTE that he's really heavily involved in. If you go to his Good, Instagram yeah. and Twitter, you'll see that he talks about that quite often and I think that's something that we definitely need to be having conversations about because uh it is an issue. And the NFL has done a lot to to um help mitigate some of the injuries that occur and everything like that. Some people say like all oh, the games, you know, get watered down and everything like that. At the same time, man, you want to see the best players play. You know, yeah. I, I definitely think you should be able to hit the quarterback a little bit more. Uh, but at the same time, you want to see the best players play, and you don't want to watch a Super Bowl if uh, they got a second string quarterback in. If uh, you know, I don't know, uh, Brian Hoyer is starting or something like that, you're not going to. No one's going to tune in. So, uh, uh, mm-hmm. I, I agree with them on that, and it's going to be interesting yeah. to see what the NFL continues to do if they're just paying lip service, if they're actually going to help some of these former players and some of the problems that they're going through and everything. You say lip service. He used the word token in terms of, you know, the things that they're doing. Um, And he did. He was very generous to give the NFL credit for a lot of the on the field things. But he also kind of alluded to um, the NFL maybe wanting to give the illusion that thing that they're doing more than they actually are. Yeah. Um, And and he was I really liked because it's refreshing to hear a former NFL player kind of call the NFL out a little bit. Um, and so that was, that was refreshing to hear as well, that it's very money driven. Some of these decisions yeah. like to have a 17 game season. Um, it's funny when players are playing, they really do kind of have, they're censored in a way they can't talk about the officiating. You know what I mean? They can't say anything too controversial when they're being interviewed in the locker room. Um, but it's, it's interesting after players retire and, and you can tell they feel a little more uh, free to yeah, say yeah. certain things. Yeah. He don't give a shit. Uh, He'll no, say whatever he wants. Which I, I appreciate and respect uh, <laughs> yeah. about him a lot for sure. Yeah. Cause you get so much, so many times in interviews when you talk, talking to athletes and stuff like that they're always so measured and calculated yeah. and everything like that randy doesn't give a shit yep. <laughs> if you don't if you don't believe me go to his twitter and his instagram <laughs> man he goes in on some people it's uh yeah it's pretty awesome yeah no he, he's a great interview for sure that's a lot of fun yeah it was man it was we've uh do we've uh, i think we've hit almost every i think we've had every 49ers player in history on this podcast <laughs> so far yeah we, sh- we should clarify that this is not a 49ers show <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've yeah. got some great guests lined yeah. up we've got guests from other sports from other football teams um as well but we have been a little 49er heavy and that's just kind of the, the way it's shaking just, out so yeah, far we got lucky we got some we got some great guys that uh played there but it, you know it is an iconic franchise and yeah but yeah, I promise you we will cover some other teams other besides the 49ers and shit. <laughs> well, and in fairness too, you and I have talked a lot about how the 49ers are a very much talked about football team. Leading up to the draft, it was who are they going to draft? They yeah. were the key piece with that number three pick. And people are talking about the 49ers right now. And we want to cover the, the popular topics that yeah, people yeah, are talking definitely. about. So it's fun to have Jesse Sapolo, Grant Cohn, and um, and now Randy Cross on to talk about how they feel about Trey Lance, et cetera. Well, when know? we get someone on here that's not from the 49ers, people are going to lose their shit. Like, <laughs> Huh? What's going on, man? I thought you guys were doing 49ers. We're kind of dug up Bill Walsh or something. Like, what the hell's going on? So, uh, yeah, we'll have some other stuff, other people on. I promise you. Absolutely. Yeah. Great day, though, man. Yeah, definitely. Hey, before we wrap up, I'm going to remind you about Odd Shark. Odd Shark is your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks. Looking for statistics and trends for an upcoming game? Odd Shark has that too, and it is absolutely free. 
That's right. And they have in-depth expert analysis, stats, numbers, and trends to help you make the sharp game day picks. So whether you want to check out tonight's odds or this weekend's hockey or basketball trends or anything in between, head over to OddShark and start thinking like a shark today. Yeah, and that's O-D-D-S-S-H-A-R-K.com. They are a go-to resource for us here at DMPCD. Um, I'm on there every day checking out lines and then uh, comparing lines and everything like that, making sure you get the best number. Uh, we got a lot of sports coming up here now, man. This is, a, this is like a... Uh, awesome time for sports. We got, you know, uh, we got NBA playoffs getting ready to start. You know, we got uh, baseball. It's already a quarter of the way through the season. Mm-hmm. We got hockey playoffs. You got uh, some boxing coming up later in the summer. Uh, it's an interesting time to throw some money down. You should, man, because uh, there's some there's some good lines out there. And especially with baseball, don't really know what's going on right now. A lot of parody in baseball this year. Yep. Yeah, and they'll give you odds on stuff you didn't even mention. I mean, tennis, NASCAR, yeah. all sorts of stuff. It's yeah, and they've cool. got great editorial content, like we said. I was on there last night reading about the boxing matchups and everything like that that's coming up. They've got uh, great information. It makes you confident going into making these picks, I think. Yeah, make sure to check out oddshark.com. That's O-D-D-S-S-H-A-R-K.com. And uh, we want to encourage everybody. That was a great show, a great episode. We want to encourage everybody to check us out on social media. We can found on Instagram at DMPCD Sports, uh, also on Twitter at DMPCD Sports. Uh, you're going to see that on your screen probably right now. Also, head on over to hotpiemedia.com. You can find all of our previous episodes. You can find also a bunch of other awesome podcasts with basically any subject you can think of. Hotpiemedia.com has a great array of podcasts. And anything you, you anything else that might interest you, you want to check that out. Yeah, for sure. Like Chad said, give us a follow. Give us a thumbs up if you happen to be watching on YouTube. And um, give us a review. Too, give us a review yeah, on please. iTunes and all those other sources. We'd love that. Yeah, I will kiss you for a review. Uh, open mouth, <laughs> open mouth kiss. I'm, I'm handing out open mouth kisses for reviews people so <laughs> if you ever see me and say hey man I, I gave you guys a review and I'm like alright come we're here. never getting another review again let's go in the bathroom for a second <laughs> we don't want to do this out here in front of everybody and shit <laughs> you know what I'm saying but uh, thanks everyone for listening thanks for watching please tell your friends about the show we'll be back next week with another awesome guest most likely and um, I'm Chad Fisher for Tony Farmer signing off take care y'all peace guys Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home on the web at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.